the Super Bowl. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Radio. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. I know what you're thinking. What? An anthrax attack at the Super Bowl? What? <laughs> well, yes, you may well not have heard about how, in fact, um, a, a twist of fate um, made it happen that there wasn't an anthrax attack, uh, not uh, thanks to the Department of Homeland Security, however. All right, let me tell you what the story is. Lucky for us, it was an employee of CNN who found documents in the seatback pocket of a commercial flight regarding anthrax and a test that was done by an organization called BioWatch um, to see just how likely it would be that an anthrax attack would occur and what would happen uh, if it did occur, what would be the way of protecting people. Well, it was unlucky for the man from BioWatch who left the um, documents in the seat pocket back. <laughs> oh, you know what, Anna? Let, let me start this again. I feel like I'm, I, I, first, I'm thinking about that I didn't leave enough of the space after Renegade Radio. Let me just oh, start. Oh, you're okay. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Oh, I'm fine. sorry. <laughs> here. One, go. Anthrax attack barely averted at the Super Bowl. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Radio. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you are a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. I know what you're thinking, what? An anthrax attack at the Super Bowl? Did I miss something? Did you miss something? What? <laughs> well, Imagine sitting on a plane, a commercial flight, and you put your hand in the pocket on the seat back, and you find some papers. We all do that. Come on, you know, you're bored. <laughs> you're sitting on the plane waiting for it to take off, wondering uh, what might be in the seat back pocket. And you put your hands in the pocket, and you pull out some papers, some documents. And lo and behold, what do you find? but top secret documents from BioWatch, a division of Homeland Security, talking about an anthrax attack happening at the Super Bowl. Well, it was actually not one, and this was before the Super Bowl, right before. And what it was, was an exercise that was done by Homeland Security uh, to see about uh, to pretend, you know, one of these pretend exercises uh, to see what would happen if, in fact, an anthrax attack occurred at the Super Bowl. And the point of it, just like with all of these um, exercises, is to see where things go right and where things go wrong so that uh, the government can fix the things that go wrong. Well, lucky for us, it was not a terrorist who found these documents in the pocket of the seat back. <laughs> and unlucky for the man at BioWatch, 
whose name I will reveal to you <laughs> with gleefully because uh, I think he should be fired. Um, unlucky for him, it was found by an employee of CNN. Now, the government uh, prevailed upon CNN to withhold this story until after the Super Bowl because, of course, well, for a couple of reasons. One, because it was super embarrassing, and two, because they didn't want to freak people out who were planning on going to the Super Bowl. I mean, imagine um, if you're sitting at the Super Bowl having a great time, and all of a sudden you hear an announcement come over the loudspeaker that there's a, a warning of a possible anthrax attack. <laughs> I mean, what do you, well, you know what would happen. Everybody would stampede um, out of the Super Bowl and people would get crushed and so on, not to mention uh, if it was really an anthrax attack, there would be all kinds of more serious consequences. And I'm going to be talking about what would have happened if there was a real anthrax attack, either at the Super Bowl or at any time in our future. But little did the people know that they were at risk um, because CNN found this document um, rather than a terrorist. But, you know, imagine if a terrorist or a wannabe terrorist actually did find these documents but put them back in the pocket to make it seem like they hadn't, to make everybody feel safe that there was uh, no extra risk. Anyhow, all these imagine, imagine, fortunately these things didn't happen, but what this does show is that somebody uh, needs to be told you are fired. So these um, documents were marked for official use only and, quote, important for national security unquote. Uh, it was, they, they were called after action reports. So because they were, in other words, they were after the, um, the, this experiment. And there were, there were directions that the people who were in possession of these reports were told to keep them locked up after business hours and to shred them before they discarded it. There was nothing on the documents that say, when you're finished, put them in the pocket in the seat pack on a commercial airline. Um, it was only supposed to be for certain people on a need-to-know basis. It was regarding a December 2017 um, exercise, you know, an anthrax, uh, uh, you know, pretend exercise for anthrax. So in December 2017, so very recent. And um, it was found, these documents, these top secret documents, were found with other sensitive Department of Homeland Security material. In fact, there are some additional pieces of information that CNN has continued to keep secret because the Department of Homeland Security has said that this would compromise national security. So in addition to these top secret documents, there were a travel itinerary and a boarding pass of the government scientist who is in charge of BioWatch. Now, clearly, I don't know, maybe he was drinking on the plane, maybe he was upset about a personal situation, I don't know, but clearly um, he was not thinking because not only did he leave these documents, but he left documents that identified that he was the one who screwed up. So, um, 
they, you know, in this in these documents, uh, they identified some areas of improvement that were uh, identified after this these exercises. And so, you know, the significance of this is, of course, that um, if it had been a terrorist who found them, the terrorist would know the weaknesses in our system, in our protection. So, for example. Um, there, there, some of the weaknesses were, uh, quote, some local law enforcement and emergency management agencies possess only a cursory knowledge of the BioWatch program and its mission. Um, what else? <laughs> this, this is the best part. Um, afterwards, after, you know, the Department of Homeland Security was, uh, was told by CNN that they had found these documents, um, they have said that uh, all of these deficiencies were addressed prior to the Super Bowl. Really? You know, we'll never know. Um, and that, quote, this exercise was a resounding success and was not conducted in response to any specific credible threat of a bioterrorism account, attack, sorry, a bioterrorism attack. Um, it does, however, make all of us put a little, feel a little less safe that there would be people working for the Department of Homeland Security, you know, BioWatch, which is a subsidiary, um, who can't be trusted, who, who are clearly falling down on their job. And of course, it reminds, I'm sure you must be thinking, as I am when I read about this, um, reminds us of the man or men actually who pushed the wrong button um, or whatever the story is as of today. I mean, there have been several different stories in Hawaii and Japan. These men who um, pushed the alert, the false alarm in regard to a nuclear attack. So what is, how are these people, it's the Peter Principle, people who are incompetent are rising to positions of power. I mean, all of these people need to be fired on the spot. So let me tell you a little bit about this man. As I said, gleefully, I am identifying him. His name, not that I have never made mistakes in my life. <laughs> However, I have na never made them of this magnitude. I have never pushed the wrong button and sent out a nuclear alert. And I, and I may have left things in the seat back pocket, but not documents from the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, maybe I left my book so that people would, my terrorism book for children, um, so that people would find it and read it and buy more copies. <laughs> no, I haven't done that, but now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so the person who left these documents was named, is named Michael V. Walter. He is a microbiologist. He's been the program manager of BioWatch since 2009 according to his LinkedIn profile. And he describes himself there as saying, I am responsible for developing and operating a budget that has ranged up to $90 million and directed a staff or of more than 50 members. Well, <laughs> really? And yet you somehow managed to make a stupid mistake that endangers our country by leaving these documents in the seat pocket. Uh, he previously, listen to this, he previously worked for the CIA. God knows what documents he dropped 
<laughs> from them, and also the Naval Surface Warfare Center. And he has 20 years of experience with biological warfare research. He's 59, and he didn't respond to requests for comments uh, for the articles from CNN, the, you know, the reports that CNN have put out. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Very scary. Um, I mean, you know, he obviously is great at microbiology, but um, not very good at keeping secrets. Um, let me tell you a little bit more about anthrax now so that you know what you <laughs> what was averted uh, if you were at the Super Bowl you're be particular or no or if you know someone who was there you may be particularly interested in this but you know it's obviously not just for people at the Super Bowl I mean the threat of bioterrorism is with us at this very moment I mean, yes, terrorists look for uh, particularly dramatic places, like if they had released anthrax at the Super Bowl, where there were all of these, uh, this huge number of people, that would be a lot more dramatic than if they release it in a supermarket. But, you know, it really could happen anytime, anywhere. And in fact, as you may remember, it did happen in the U.S., in October 2001, right after 9-11, an anthrax powder was sent through the U.S. Postal Service, and it wound up making 22 people sick, and five people died. So this isn't just sort of hypothetical. Now, um, what would you feel like if you uh, contracted anthrax? Um, First of all, there are uh, ways that you can, um, the ways that you can take anthrax in, and anthrax is a bacteria. Let, let me sort of back up a little bit. Anthrax is really the Bacillus anthracis. It's a bacteria, and um, in other words, it's, it's a germ that can sicken or kill people, livestock, or crops. And in the U.S., there are only one or two cases of anthrax identified a year. And this, you know, not from terrorism, presumably, um, but this, it's more, it happens more frequently in the developing world where there is contact with livestock. Because anthrax spores are found in nature, they, of course, can be produced in a lab, and they can last for a long time. Um, they make a good weapon because they can, it can be released quietly and without anyone knowing. And it's microscopic, so it's, you can't really see it, smell it, or taste it. And um, it can be put into powders, sprays, food, and water. And, um, you know, typically it is found in uh, livestock or... I mean, when it is found, it is found in livestock. And um, the attack, a, 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 an anthrax attack, a terrorist attack, could take many forms. It could be in the letters, like what happened in 2001. It could be put into food or water. It could be released into the air from a truck, a building, or a plane. Uh, the most serious form of anthrax is inhalation anthrax. 
and that can kill quickly if it's not treated immediately. And um, so that's why it's so important to have monitoring systems, which is what BioWatch does, um, monitoring the air in various places in the U.S. Now, since um, it might go undetected immediately, uh, the other way that, doc that can, it can be discovered is by doctors noticing unusual patterns of illness when people show up in the ER. So now, what might you feel if you are, um, if you are um, attacked, I guess, by uh, anthrax? If you, if you happen to come in contact with anthrax, um, it can happen, you can, you can take it in through the skin, cutaneous anthrax. Inhalation anthrax is when you take it in through the air. Gastrointestinal, when you swallow something that contains anthrax, or injection. So there, about 20% of the cases are cutaneous through the skin. 5%, um, 75%, uh, sorry, 75%, the majority of attacks or of people who get affected by anthrax is, um, is through inhalation. And then, um, and then there's uh, gastrointestinal um, as well. 75% mortality when it's taken in through inhalation. Because the, the thing is, the key is that you have to get treatment right away. Now, um, anthrax is, can, is caused by this, this bacteria that can be found naturally in soil and it commonly affects domestic and wild animals. So as I said, it's rare in the US, but people who come in contact with infected animals or contaminated animal products um, can ingest uh, anthrax. And it's not contagious, you can't catch it like a cold or the flu. Um, but the symptoms that you would see are the initial symptoms are flu-like symptoms, a sore throat, mild fever, fatigue, muscle aches, and these symptoms can last for hours to days. So, you know, especially this year with all the flu going around, um, I don't mean to scare you, but people could be, I mean, certainly we would know if there was an anthrax attack, um, but people could be mistaking theoretically, uh, an anthrax uh, um, oh, inhalation, for example, for a flu. Then you feel chest discomfort, shortness of breath, nausea, coughing up blood. You can have painful swallowing. And um, it affects the skin, the lung, the bowel. Um, and what's really important, what really, you know, what kills you is not the bacteria itself, but the toxins that the bacteria release. So that's why it's important to get treatment ASAP because, and the treatment is antibiotics. And the antibiotics kill or, uh, the, the bacteria, the anthrax bacteria, or it cuts down on the growth. But the more toxins that the bacteria releases before it is overwhelmed by the um, antibiotics, the more serious your um, condition will be. Especially it damages the liver and the heart. 
and it can cause death. I mean, it's, you know, it can cause death very quickly if it is not quick, treated quickly because um, when this, this, the anthrax spores or the bacteria get into the body and they produce these toxins or poisons uh, and which start to create this severe illness, um, it, it, it's when the spores are activated that they produce the toxins. And um, it's mostly in places, you know, people come in contact with these animals uh, and, and with the dirt and so on, mostly in places like Central and South America, Africa, uh, Central and Southwestern Asia, Eastern Europe, and the Caribbean. So um, there have been in the U.S. sporadic outbreaks of wild and domestic grazing animals, such as cattle or deer. But as I said, it's more common in developing countries and countries that don't have great veterinary uh, conditions, programs that vaccinate these animals. Um, I mean, it sounds lovely, aren't you? Aren't you glad that it didn't, uh, that, it, that it was somehow averted? Um, you can die in 10 days to six weeks or sooner. Um, but, but the antibiotics that uh, are most commonly used to treat an anthrax infection are Cipro and Doxycycline. And again, the key is to get treated with the antibiotics before they produce uh, a lot of toxins. So um, if, in fact, there had been a, um, a bioterrorism attack with anthrax at the Super Bowl or anywhere, um, there would, the government would um, supply antibiotics to sites that would be near you, near where the uh, attack took place. And these are called uh, points of dispensing. And so, for example, they would go to schools or convention centers, they would make announcements to tell you to go to these places to get your antibiotics. And so um, it's recommended that you uh, keep a family medical history on hand because you would need to bring that to uh, any of these places where you could get the antibiotics. So you would need to have a history of, to write down a history of your medical conditions, your allergies, uh, medicines that you're taking, and so on. And um, you know, I mean, hopefully this won't happen. <laughs> We all, we all hope, you know, we can sit and hope that any kind of terrorist attack won't happen, and there's still the risk. I mean, we've been concentrating on the nuclear um, threat from North Korea uh, these days, especially with the, with the Olympics. Um, and, uh, but, you know, the, the other kinds of things, chemical, bioterrorism, all of that are still potential um, threats. So... There is an anthrax vaccine that, in fact, is used for people who are at high risk. Um, it can also be used for people who have been exposed to anthrax. You know, that's sort of a quick, effective way to, um, to get it into your system. And it is, um, it there would be three shots of anthrax vaccine if you were exposed. 
uh, over four weeks, plus a 60-day course of antibiotics. So, and you'd have to take the whole 60 days because otherwise there would be, uh, it would still be possible for the toxins to um, be produced by the anthrax bacteria. So you could still develop all of these physical symptoms and problems and damage if you didn't actually um, continue to take it to continue to prevent whatever anthrax bacteria was still in your system to, uh, to stop, you need to get them to stop producing toxins. So, um, so you know, you don't want to get anthrax, bottom line here. Um, you don't want to have this happen to you. And, um, the idea that, uh, I mean, you know, so what, so what does this do? What does this do when you hear me telling you about this? What does it do? You know, CNN hasn't exactly been quiet about this reporting this. I mean, it was quite a coup for CNN to have found this, um, pretty amazing. And I mean, you know, in terms of ratings and all that, um, and pretty responsible of them to withhold, first of all, to withhold the report until after the Super Bowl. I mean, boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with those, in those production meetings um, because uh, can you imagine if they had reported it before the Super Bowl? I mean, a lot more people would be aware of this as are aware of it right now. But still, um, you may, well, it wasn't exactly... Well, you know, all these things about terrorism, they're, they're like flashes in the pans. Um, you know, the media doesn't really dwell long enough on incidents like this or incidents like the Halloween terrorist. I mean, that was gone from the top news in three days, the terrorist who uh, rented a vehicle and ran down people on Halloween right near Ground Zero. I mean, that was a huge, huge, should have been, uh, and was briefly huge news. But um, it's, you know, this, this idea of not wanting to create panic or not wanting people to be aware of terrorism is so wrong because it allows us to, um, when these things disappear from the news, it allows us to go back into our debilitating state of denial, which means that we go back into thinking that we don't have to prepare ourselves uh, for, to, for living with these ongoing threats of terrorism. And, you know, not that I am trying or it's good for anybody to be trying to keep you in a state of, of terror, but um, it is important to be realistic and to always be doing things every day for you and your family um, that build resi resilience every single day from the basic kinds of things such as uh, eating nutritious food, nutri nutritious food, uh, taking vitamins, having exercise, doing, incorporating things in your day every day to decrease stress. You know, things that you have heard of, but that people, we get so busy, we get caught up with other things in our lives, and we don't do some of the basic things that we need to do ever more than, more than ever because we are living with this constant threat of, of terrorism. We're hearing it, it goes in one ear and out the other, 
but at the same time, it stays in our unconscious, and we need to have it a little more often in our conscious to make us do things about it, to make, as I said, to make ourselves more resilient. So hearing about this particular incident, the leaving on the plane of these top secret documents that could have resulted in an anthrax attack of the Super Bowl had a terrorist found it and found all our weaknesses that were totally outlined in these documents, um, that would have been a very unfortunate situation. So we, we, you know, so what, how do we feel hearing about this? Um, yes, it's going to make us a little, uh, you know, it's going to make us have less faith that our, that we're protected, that we are, all, everything is being done or that the people who are in these top positions are competent enough. And so I think we all, just like um, I actually call, I was on, uh, what was I on? Um, CNN, which I forget now whether it was CNN or HLN, HLN. Um, and I called for the firing of the man in Hawaii who was the button pusher. Um, and, and fortunately, he has been fired, I am happy to report. But we need to call for and demand more um, direct, immediate action, not reassigning of these people, but, you know, reconsidering, uh, but firing them, or at least reconsidering what information they have access to um, and whether they're able to carry it out of the office onto a plane. Well, I will leave you with that for now. Um, I will give you some, uh, some websites for more information. First of all, my website, which is terroristtherapist.com, www.terroristtherapist.com. You can find out more information uh, my other podcasts and, and um, previous podcasts and Twitter and so on and articles that I've been quoted in and all of that. And of course, to buy my um, book, which is, you know, this is part of my, my campaign as becoming the terrorist therapist to help families uh, keep calm and carry on in the face of terror. And so my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror is the first and only book about terrorism for kids and really for families and for teachers and for therapists um, dealing with children. It helps, it helps families to build uh, stronger nests and more resilient nests and similarly for classrooms. So thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist, and this has been Renegade Radio.